Okay, will you stand with me for a minute? I want to um, just begin, First uh, John chapter 3, it says, and this is how we set our hearts at rest in God's presence. <clears throat> and so I want to just start by uh, corporately setting our hearts at rest in God's presence. So I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and uh, in your own uh, heart, just give yourself to God, ask God to come and do and say what he wants to come and do and say. I'd also ask you just to take a, a second or two and pray for me that I would um, give the words of God because that's what you want are the words of God and then I'll pray for us. So let's just take a moment, set our hearts at rest in God's presence. Father, here we stand in your presence. We stand in the paradox of your omnipresence. You are everywhere. You fill all things. Your love is in every place. And at the same time, Lord, through the scriptures, you exhort us to wait upon you and to call upon you and to invite you and to welcome you. So, Lord, we thank you that you are here and we invite you to come in greater ways. Holy Spirit, come. Come and do the work uh, in us that only you can do. Come and open our hearts to partner with you and agree with you about your work. We look to you, Lord. And we come to you so gratefully in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Okay. I have a, um, I have a friend sends out sort of a weekly, I don't know, little newsletter about businessy things, and I just happened to get it. He's a great writer, so I love it. I got it yesterday, and um, it was about customer service. And there was a little uh, picture with a caption. I think it was a Jim Carrey movie, Cable Guy or something like that. I don't know. But there's a picture of a customer service guy, and underneath it says, Yeah, we'll be there sometime between 9 a.m. and June. Um, that's kind of like this morning's message in this way. Um, I'm not going to speak until June, starting today, but I don't know that this message, I don't know when this message will end. Let me just put it that way. I normally like to have a message that has a point to it <laughs> at the end. Um, I don't know if I'll get there today. Um, God is speaking, and so that's good news, and so I'm going to try to stay along with him and, um, and kind of give out what God's given to me for us. What I'm saying is this motif of fire, which I'm going to speak about today, could last for a while. So uh, get out your hot pads and put on your fire suits. And <clears throat> okay. um, this, uh, this Friday, I was uh, in the sanctuary here. I spend a lot of time in here. I'm a lucky guy. I'm very fortunate and blessed. A lot of my work is to be in here um, praying Seeking God, looking at the scriptures, preparing, praying for you all, encountering God on your behalf. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, you have to admit it. And um, <clears throat> I was walking around the sanctuary and praying, and um, I was walking, I was reading uh, Leviticus 9 and 10. Anyone else in their quiet times? Leviticus 9 and 10? Anybody? <laughs> Leviticus 9 and 10. I was reading Leviticus 9 and 10. Um, and uh, I was right in the back there. I just walked by the cross in front of the soundboard, and I'm reading the end of Leviticus 9, which is about the fire of God 
uh, coming down on the sacrifice of uh, Aaron's uh, sons. The fire of God consumes the sacrifice. It's a symbol of acceptance. God has accepted the sacrifice. Uh, the very next verse, um, Leviticus 10, 1, a fire comes again and it's not as good for the sons of Aaron because they do it in an unauthorized way. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm reading about the fire of God. And I'm in the back there. And um, Steve Sargent and Jane Foken are standing in the back there. If you look back there, uh, not now. You're so obedient. Or gullible, I don't know which. <laughs> if you look back there, there's, um, there's, a, there's a mark of an iron on the ground, you know. And uh, I, I'm, I'm walking up. I realize they're looking at it, and I know it's there because I've been walking over it. I'm reading about fire. So I made a joke. Um, just I was, as I was passing the prayer room, I said, sorry, guys, that's my fault. I'm reading about fire, and the Lord came with an iron from heaven. And um, it was a joke. And um, uh, always, uh, clearly what happened is someone was trying to get uh, wax out of the carpet from the New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve service, and they used an iron. Oops. And so I just had made that joke, you know, God came with fire, um, and I'm reading about fire. And literally, this is real time, I'm walking by the prayer room. You can look back at the prayer room. You see the door, the cross, and I didn't realize there was someone in the prayer room. And as I'm walking by the prayer room and saying, I'm reading about fire, literally, an arm sticks out of the prayer room. <laughs> like this. And... Uh, this woman, a friend of mine, one of our intercessors, gives me this piece of paper. And she said, this is what I just saw. And so I looked down, feeling a little bit accosted. <laughs> and it says, I, see, I saw a fireball coming toward the center of the sanctuary. His majesty, his glory, Holy Spirit power, overpowering, anticipate, anticipation, prepare. And I thought, God has entered the place and he's decided to speak. And apparently his theme is fire. Um, it just seems like this is a, uh, a theme that God continues to give, this theme of fire. Um, fire is all through the Bible. If you're of the male persuasion here, you love it, right? Like if I were to start a fire right here, other than the firemen that we have in the place, all the men would be like, yeah, cool, throw another chair on, you know, because we love fire, you know, you know why? Honestly, we're made in the image of God. God, fire is all through the Bible. First time you see fire in the Bible, Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve have just done the dirty deed. They've, they've moved from obedience to God and God is kicking them out of perfection. The consequences of their sin is they get tossed out of Eden. And it's, the scripture says that um, the spirit sets angels at the gates of Eden and a flaming sword going back and forth. Now, it's in one of my many rabbit trails, so it's a long message, okay, months, all right? Do you, do you ever think to the fact that as far as we know, Adam and Eve wouldn't even know what a sword was. They wouldn't have known. Danger? How, how would they have known what a sword was? This is the beginning interaction with God and Adam and Eve. We don't know what happened all that time in the garden. 
But there's this flaming sword. What is it? A symbol of God's presence, his purity, and his divine protection. The next time you see a fire in the Bible is Exodus 3, and Moses is walking in the wilderness, and he encounters God in the burning bush. And that fire is the very symbol of God's presence. The Lord speaks out of the burning bush. From the fire comes the voice, the command to, uh, to Moses. And Moses realizes it's holy ground because the Lord says it. And he bows, he takes his shoes off. He's in the presence of purity, but he's also in the presence of a divine invitation into intimacy. Moses doesn't even know what to call God at that point. And the Lord says, come, I want to be close to you, albeit with fire. I think it's a perfect picture of our relationship with God. God invites us to come. It is fire that brings purity so that we can be in God's presence. But fire also purifies after we've been in God's presence. We have a team of intercessors in the church. We call them David's army. Sounds pretty auspicious, doesn't it? If you'd like to be one of David's army, you're welcome. Talk to my wife, Jane. We've got 36 people praying day after day, week after week. Six teams of six people praying for the church, for you, for what God wants to do in this place, in the city. Um, I've been sending out email requests, uh, prayer requests every week to David's army for about six months. And I think pretty much without fail, I've started each one of those prayer requests with Isaiah 64.1, saying this is our prayer for the vineyard at this time. This is what God, I think God would have us ask him for, for the vineyard. So I want to read Isaiah 64.1-4. This is the word of God. This is Isaiah the prophet speaking to God via the Spirit of God and speaking to us. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has been, has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. It's it's the beautiful paradox of God fully present and still wanting to come. It's a picture of God's fire. A picture of God's presence. A picture of God's desire to be, I mean, fully intimate with us. When a fire, uh, when a twig catches fire, you can't discern twig and fire. They become one, right? Isn't that why we kind of just, we'll gaze at a fire for hours? Because we, you know, you ever think that? Like, where's the fire start and where's the twig? And they're together. It's a picture of God's desire of his union and intimacy with us. He's not really interested in us being discernible from him. He wants us to live in Christ and he wants Christ to live in us that fully. God wants to come down. We were praying yesterday. It just sounds like I pray all the time. That's not what I'm trying to say, okay? But we were praying yesterday. 
uh, a large group of us. And, um, and uh, one guy in particular, I had started with Isaiah 64 again. And he said, you know, it's interesting, this whole, as fire sets twigs ablaze, he said, you know, twigs cannot burst into flame unless they're touching each other. If you just try to, you ever try, little Boy Scouts, try to light one twig? doesn't last very long. But when twigs are touching and fire is present, the twigs are set on fire. They themselves can set greater things on fire. And I, and I felt like what the Lord was saying to us yesterday is as a vineyard church, as a people, this 2013, a part of what we're called to do and to be are twigs for God. Doesn't that sound fun? The preacher really got us going. Be a twig for God. But I mean it. We're called to be twigs for God. I mean, think about a twig. It's weak. It's singular. It's dry, it's desperate, it's thirsty, it's just there. But when twigs come together, when three, four, five hundred vineyard twigs come together and ask for the fire of God to come, I mean, there's something important about our corporate worship that is also horizontal. And the, the same guy as Doug, he said, you know, I think God's saying to us, um, we're called to the presence of God. We're called to worship. I mean, at our heart, we're worshipers, right? It's what we're made for. But we can't come into worship with just blinders on vertical in worship because there's something about the way we work with one another and we seek God. I mean, God loves individual worshipers. God shows up in the Bible when people gather in his name. And so there's something. I can't explain it any more than that other than we get to sign up to be a twig and rub against intentionally other twigs this year. That means get to know one another. That means expose your, your bareness, your desperation, your drought, your preparedness and your hunger. And when we do that together and we say, God, just come and set us on fire, we don't initiate the move of God, but we could hinder it. So we can't, we're not responsible for God sending the fire, but we're responsible to be prepared. Do you want to be a twig? All right, let's look briefly at Leviticus 9 and 10. There's a whole lot going on in Leviticus 9 and 10, sermons upon sermons, we won't do them. Okay, just let it be said, there's blood and guts everywhere in Leviticus 9 and 10. This is God instructing his people how they can come and be in his presence and be accepted. This is God paving the way for his people who have strayed, remember Eden, to come back into his presence and be accepted and to encounter God in his fullness. And so uh, Leviticus 9 is all the special things that need to happen. You know, blood here and blood there and split the goat and livers and thighs. No joke. Livers and thighs in there. All getting ready to be in the presence of God. And Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Did anyone ever name any of their kids? Nadab or Abihu? You'll see why in just a second. Um, Nadab and Abihu are there preparing all of this with, with Aaron. Let's read. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and he blessed them. Remember that, uh, 
that ironic blessing number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is probably what he said. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. So he's, he's, there's all this terror <laughs> in the place trying to come before God. And Aaron turns and he gives that blessing of peace. God's holy, but he wants you to be with him. <clears throat> so he blessed them and having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting face to face with the holy. And when they came out, they blessed the people again. You know, the people were just blessed because they came out alive. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. We don't know what that looked like or felt like, but the glory of God, Shekinah, the manifest presence of God was there. No one wondered this day, hey, was God present at the meeting today? Because the glory of God was present. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord. Just keep that phrase in your mind. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. It's striking to me. I mean, if, if we could even imagine what it would be like to enter into God's presence during that day, I mean, just what it was like, the seriousness with which Aaron and, his, and, the, and the Levites, the priests were doing this, the, the, the sort of horror of God present and the excitement. And so fire comes down from heaven. We have no reason but to believe this is literal fire. And it consumes the offerings and the sacrifice. And uh, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and it consumes it all. And when the people saw it, what do they do? They shout for joy. Isn't that a little bit odd? Wouldn't you think fireball from heaven? I would be like saying duck or run. And what they do is they shout for joy. Why do they shout for joy? Because they know that they've been accepted by God. They've brought the sacrifice. They know that the sacrifice is acceptable they know that God, perfectly holy from heaven, has looked down on sinful man and woman and said, I'll take you. He consumes the sacrifice and he releases his presence. And there's the presence of God. So they shout for joy and then it's like they come to their senses and realize, God's here. Wham, they go face down. It's a beautiful picture of the paradox of God's acceptance and his holiness. They got it right. And so they shout for joy and go straight to the ground. And I don't know if it's minutes or seconds, but I mean, it's the same time frame. It, it, you just think, man, this is the preacher's dream, right? You speak the word, fire comes from heaven. <laughs> the people shout for joy and go prostrate. <laughs> Amazing. But no, Nadab and Abihu, they think, man, let's keep this thing going. And here's what happens. Leviticus 10. It's right there. This has just happened. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers. That's where they kept the incense, a sort of a, a, a symbol of the offering to God, as well as the prayers of the saints. <clears throat> and put fire in them and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. 
It, nowhere else in the Bible does it say what unauthorized fire is. Oh, it, some versions say strange fire. Some versions say their own fire. We don't really know exactly what it is, but clearly they know that they're offering fire before the Lord, before his presence that is unauthorized. They stepped out of bounds. You wonder why would they do that? And I don't, I don't know. I wasn't hanging with Nadab and Abihu when it happened. But looking back on it and, and thinking about my own and our experience, 2013 now, I wonder if Nadab and Abihu had watched their father Aaron do this so many times that the very presence of God had become mundane for them. The very presence of God had become matter of fact. God had shown them exactly how to approach him and Nadab and Abihu said, you know what? Let's play with this a little bit. We don't play with fire. They said, let's play with this a little bit. And in essence, what they're saying is, God, we want you on our terms. Does that relate to anyone? You ever feel like that sometimes? Like, God, I'm, you know, cool going, doing it your way. Thanks for the blessing. Fire from heaven. But I want to do it my way now. And the response of God is this. They offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command, and they knew it. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord. Where have we seen that before? Three verses back, when God's presence was consuming the perfect sacrifice and speaking acceptance and joy to the people. Fire came from the presence of the Lord. And it says, and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Amen. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Now here's an interesting statement. And Aaron remained silent. Aaron, before the Lord, watches the accepted sacrifice, shout of joy on the ground, God's presence were safe. And minutes later, he watches his own sons disobey and consumed by fire and he says nothing like he's in awe he never talks about this in the scriptures and I think again it's a picture of this paradox about the way we walk with God the sacrifice praise God has already been made Jesus Christ was the lamb of God Hebrews 10, 11, 12, the sacrifice is complete. We don't have to mess with bulls and goats and thighs and livers. The sacrifice of Jesus is once and for all and complete. And we live and stand and bow in that reality before the Lord. You, in Christ, are 100% accepted. You say, praise God. You are safe and your heart is set at rest in his presence. And at the same time, that fire that in one verse brings protection and provision and says intimacy and acceptance, in the very next verse, it brings purification. I mean, in the Old Testament, God purifies seriously. When there's something going wrong, he says, take the people out who are doing wrong. In a New Testament, in the covenant that we live within, 
We don't fear for our lives before God like this. And yet, Hebrews 12, 29, it says, Our God is a consuming fire. You go through all through Hebrews 12 and you see the discipline of God and the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus and all of the completeness of what Jesus has done so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. It just makes you, the picture is like you're strutting up to God's presence with boldness. And then just to make sure we all know who we're dealing with, the writer to the Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire. And we remember, oh yeah, called to intimacy, accepted through the fire. And because he loves us so much, he purifies by fire. And this morning, my guess is that Many of us find ourselves in one of these places where you're recognizing right now there's a hindrance to my acceptance. And I want to tell you this morning, I cannot use enough words to tell you how free you are in Christ. How, whatever freedom you know in Jesus because of, because of what he's done for you, you haven't experienced it all yet. You are that accepted by God. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You are free. And for some of you, your freedom is hindered. You're afraid to be accepted. You're afraid, like Judy said, you don't know how God will look at you. And I speak acceptance, sons and daughters. And some of us this morning, there's something that hinders our holiness. And we are so thrilled about the acceptance, so enamored with grace, and I can't speak enough about grace. And yet, along with grace comes truth. And along with the fire of God's presence and acceptance comes the fire of God's purifying Holy Spirit. So we're called to joy and to holiness. Psalms, Psalm 211, it says um, something. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you say, God, which is it? And God says, yes. Yes. Serve me with fear, reverence. Shout for joy and go to your faces. And rejoice with trembling. This is part of God's call to us as a people this year. We're, we're people of God's presence. And the presence of God means full release, full joy, full acceptance. And God loves us so much accepts us so wholly that he will not let us stay the same. He'll transform us. And unfortunately, transformation usually has to do with fire. And I'm going to ask you to step into the fire this year. Step into the fire of God's presence. Accept your acceptance, even though you're unacceptable. And the fire of his holiness. God, burn away whatever you don't want in me so that I can rejoice in your presence even with trembling. Let's pray. The communion servers can come forward. We'll prepare for communion. As we bow before God, Father, we acknowledge this morning that we're in awe of what you've done in Christ, that we would be made acceptable to you because we know ourselves. But Lord, you know us better. 
So this morning, we rejoice that we are sons and daughters. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for a release of the Holy Spirit and the loving conviction of the Holy Spirit to point out to us those places of impurity that in your very presence we would also be purified. As we're pure in your sight, we ask, Lord, to be pure in fact and to literally be those people so consumed by you that we walk out into the world and we are the fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved. We ask, God, for the beauty of the fragrance of Jesus, holiness, righteousness, peace, and joy to flow through us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you uh, are in Christ this morning, you have a relationship with God, this is your time at communion to take his body and his blood.